I'm Richie Suave Flores. And I am not Corey Crenshaw. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation, as Corey would say, on this Monday, March the 1st, the start of a brand new month in the year 2021. As you just heard, Corey is not here for this episode. Uh, Why? You've probably seen it on Twitter and Instagram by now. Uh, Jordan, you've seen it by now, I'm sure, which is uh, Corey got engaged over the weekend to uh, her now fiance Scotty, which is like kind of wild to say for me because I've known them for so long. But like, I'm super excited about this. I haven't gotten all the details from Corey yet about it. I will later in the week once she gets back from Sedona. But like, so this is an exciting time for the show. We'll get more from Corey on Thursday's episode about everything that went down. But I'm sure you share the sentiment, uh, Jordan. Congratulations to Corey and Scotty on their engagement. This is, uh, we are very excited about it here. Uh, as you can tell in my voice, I was not expecting it to happen like this early. So that's why we have a very special guest for this episode. Uh, Jordan Nash Bolden is joining me for her first visit into the Sporty Nation. Jordan, welcome to the show. Um, and uh, Hopefully you're along for the ride with me because like our show can get really, really weird at times. So, You know I'm along for the ride. That was kind of the disclaimer when I agreed to do this. But uh, yeah, big congratulations to Corey. Um, I hope I do it justice on this end. And if I don't, nobody panic. Uh, she's going to be back next episode. That's yeah, she'll be back on Thursday's episode. Um, so I believe usually it's just Corey and I on the show. Are, we only have. This is like a big, this should be like a big honor for you because we almost never have guests on our show. The only people who have guested more than you are our cat, who is like our basically our third co host at this point. I think she's joined us like four or five times. Scotty's filled in for me like two or three times. And then you. So this is like, this is a big honor, I think, here. Yeah, I think I'm in really good company uh, with, with those folks that you just named off. A lot of goalies on the show. A lot of goalies. Yeah, and you know what? I, I will say, I just remembered, uh, the actual, the the last interview that I did, I think, uh, was uh, was with you guys for Fox Sports 910. I think that was one of the, the last times I was actually asked to guest do anything. Uh, so it's been a hot second. Yeah, that was a while ago. That was when we first met, too, which is kind of crazy. That was like two years ago, for goodness sake. That was two years ago and a show ago. Um, so unfortunately, the show... Kidding crash doesn't exist anymore, but that's for a different that's for a different conversation. But uh, here's what's uh, here's what we have in store for you on this episode of Sporty with Corey and Richie. Uh, Jordan and I have been uh, texting back and forth, seemingly on a consistent basis, about our love of WandaVision. Um, Jordan was late to the party, which I'm sure you'll talk about in just a second, in terms of getting around to watching the show. But um, I figure we could do like a pre-finale guessification about what we think is going to happen. So be forewarned, there will be spoilers coming up a little bit in just a little bit. And I will make sure to put in the description of the show where the spoilers are in case you're not caught up on everything. But you should be at this point. So we're going to get into WandaVision. We'll get into some Coyotes talk and uh, and some other stuff too, including... Uh, I, we want to make sure to plug Jordan's Twitch channel, um, which you began, uh, you kickstarted again on Saturday night with a really cool conversation about, uh, how Disney had everything to do with the haunting of the Queen Mary ship, which is currently stage docked in, in California. So you can go watch that on her Twitch channel, but we'll get into that. But, uh, Jordan, why don't we start the show here? with uh with some one division conversation here now you were late to 
picking up the show, right? Like you didn't start watching until I think like there were five or six episodes that have that were released, right? Yeah, you called me right out there. Uh, but yes, I, I was late to the party. I think I I binge watched the first five or six episodes all in one day because I was late picking it up. And uh, I'm kicking myself for that looking back on it now. But I just like didn't really get on the hype train for it initially. Uh, I'll, I'll admit it. I didn't really, you know, I didn't love uh, the vibe of whatever was going on with Vision in the MCU. I think they kind of underused him or underdeveloped him or, you know, kind of whatever the, the plan was there. And uh, the show kind of took on a new meaning, I guess, for, for the development of both of those characters. And, and I appreciate them a lot more now. Uh, but in hindsight, yeah, I was I was super late to the party. So not awesome of me. But but you were happy you did finally pick it up though. What made you finally to start decide to start watching it? Was it like just the social media conversation around it, or was it just like you had some downtime on a day? You were like, I don't know what to watch. I might as well just watch WandaVision. Uh, a little bit of both. I kind of got bullied into it by some of the folks that I follow on social media, and I got sick of avoiding the spoilers. So uh, I had a day where I had some downtime, and I decided to. Uh, to give it a try and then you know one episode turned into like six i will say uh you and i were texting the entire time you were watching it and it was great i thoroughly enjoyed your excitement in going through and watching the show and it was it was just it was the chef's kiss it was it was great but i'm 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 glad you finally caught on to it um and and, and i think both of us like you said like we're both super surprised with how good it was. Cause like you said, I wasn't sure what to expect from it. Cause like I was never the biggest Wanda fan or vision fan in the, from the movies in general. Like they didn't really do a whole heck of a lot in those movies. They just were kind of side characters without a whole heck of a lot of development. And I was actually talking to Kat earlier today about it. And I was like, I really want to go back and watch age of Ultron now having watched this show because I feel like having watched this show and really dug into these characters, like I now love Wanda and vision at the same time. And they've really gone and they've developed both of those characters and given them a full fledged, you know, backstory and, and whatnot. So having done that, that makes age of Ultron, I think all the more interesting of a rewatch. Cause I have, I almost never go back and rewatch age of Ultron. Cause like, it just, I was never the biggest fan of it in general, but do you think, are you thinking about doing the same thing? Like going back and watching age of Ultron after the show's over and seeing how it changes your thoughts about that movie? You know, that's really funny. Cause that's something that I really never thought that I would say is like, Hey, you know what? Let's go back and watch age of Ultron. That sounds fun. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think now it, like you said, it takes on a little bit of a different tone and, uh, I like that the writers of the series were kind of bold enough to go back in time and, and pick up and kind of extend some of those moments that we saw just in the early intro of, of Wanda's character development and, you know, kind of where she came from, all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, so I think uh, with that new knowledge, it might be a little bit different of a watch for me than it used to be. That's like, that's been the coolest thing about, about the series is that you're able now to spend so much time with these characters. Whereas in the movies, you really don't, right? Like if you really think about it, and I was thinking about this the other day, which is we've now spent eight episodes at about 40 minutes a piece with Wanda. So we may have very well spent more time with Wanda than pretty much any other MCU character outside of maybe Iron Man and Captain America who, and maybe Thor who all had, you know, their three, their three movies to shine and it's paid off big time. So not only am I excited for the finale of WandaVision, but I'm also excited to get pretty much all the other Marvel shows we're getting now. Um, I'm a big fan of Captain America. So I, the show I was most excited to watch upon all the announcements of these Disney plus shows was uh, Falcon and the winter soldier. Cause I, I, I love Sam and Bucky and I can't wait to dive into that. But like, yeah, if you think about it, like we've now spent more time with Wanda than a lot of the pretty much 
most of the Avengers, and that's kind of wild. Yeah, um, I I share the sentiment. I'm I'm totally stoked for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I kind of I want to see where they take it. Um, but you know what? Spending this much time with Wanda, good for her. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen deserves like all the awards and all the credit. And I am so sorry I jumped on the hype train as late as I did. Uh, but she's super awesome. Paul Bettany is awesome. Um, Catherine Hahn, let's let's shine let's shine the spotlight on Catherine Hahn here. My goodness. Uh, that was a twist that I didn't see coming, and I think that they played it up really well, and I'm excited to see where they take it in that final episode. But, like, plug all of these actors for, I don't know, what is it, like an Emmy? Whatever the acting award is, let's let's do that. Can we add to the, the hashtag train we got going? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's see. We got, uh, like, Liz for Emmy. Is that hashtag Liz for Emmy? Hashtag. Hashtag Emmy Vision. I don't know. Like, let's let's figure it out here. There you go. Hashtag Emmy Vision. But you're yeah, you're right. Like, especially in this like eighth episode, which was really a lot more like you really got to see the range of 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 like you said of Catherine Hahn, who was incredible in those early scenes in the basement, and then you got to see. Um, Elizabeth Olsen like just shine with all the emotions that her character went through in episode eight and then you compare that to the comedy aspects of the first couple episodes which obviously I don't think any of us really expected it to be that funny but like you could legit say that like those first couple episodes that were more um, your sitcom homages like those are that's some of the funniest television you'll see on tv like it's right up there with like your uh, some of your like comedy awards that you're gonna see. Like we're recording on Sunday, and coming up later tonight is the the Golden Globes, and Shit's Creek got like all the nominations, and they're gonna win all the awards. But like, I love that show. But like those first two episodes of 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 the season of WandaVision, like comedy wise, were so good. And so like you can you compare that like arc between uh especially paul bettany obviously and and elizabeth olsen's like man that acting range is terrific because that's hard to do go to from straight comedy to your more intense like super dramatic type scenes and yeah then also um tiana paris too who plays monica i she's crushed it like what a perfect introduction into the mcu for her too because like i know you're a massive captain marvel fan so I thought it was funny when you when she her character first showed first showed up, like you were like, oh, I I like her, but you did not know who she was that she was actually Monica Rambo. You thought she was just like uh, Geraldine, the next door neighbor. <laughs> I was blindsided. Let me tell you, uh, yeah, I texted you and I was like, yeah, I I just really love Geraldine. Like I'm not like there's I can't put my finger on it, but there's something that I really love about her. And then I just got smacked in the face. And I, I think part of it too is that like I was totally blind coming into the show because I so I tried so hard to avoid all of the spoilers that I also avoided like pretty much all of the cast announcement. And I'm not sure if they put it out there that uh, that Tayona was gonna be playing Monica Rambo, um, but I just absolutely got just thrown for a loop there. Uh, yeah, Captain Marvel fan. Uh, you know, all around just that was, that was a win for me. And like, yeah. And the cool thing is that they did such a good job introducing her into the universe and they did such a good job of introducing her powers, which we saw a little bit of at the, uh, towards the end of episode seven. I'm excited to see her and see what like her, if she goes full fledged powers coming up in this, in the season finale, but like, the fact that we got to spend so much time with her in this show is like, it's going to make Captain Marvel two, like a, such a, a, a much better movie. Cause I think we're also going to get um, the Miss Marvel series where we're coming up later this year, where we're going to get some more um, we're going to get the introduction of Kamala Khan too. And so with all that time spent with some of these characters like that, Captain Marvel two, like the hype machine, I know it's already started with you, but like, I'm just gonna be. I'm super excited about Captain Marvel too, with everything we've we've seen so far from from not only Monica but 
uh, I'm excited to see Kamala Khan. I don't, I'm not too familiar with her character, but she essentially adopts Miss Marvel because she's such a big fan, I guess, like a fangirl of Captain Marvel in the comics. So um, I'm excited to to see that story play out in the future too. I would be all in for Teona Paris as as the photon version of of Monica Rambo. Uh, so just like put me down early for that one. Uh, so when people start talking about it later, you're like, hey, we were here first. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's talk about what we think may happen coming up in this season finale of uh, of WandaVision, episode nine. That's all there is, for goodness sake. I wish it was longer. <laughs> But uh, like I was reading, I tried to read as many of the fan theories as possible. Like I deep dive into like YouTube videos and stuff like that. And I'm still waiting for like one final shoe to drop. And Paul Bettany's hinted at it in some interviews. I think, I don't know if it was, I think it was maybe on Jimmy Kimmel or, or elsewhere. I don't remember, but he was like, yeah, there's another cameo coming up. And he was like, I got to work with an actor I've wanted to work with for a long time. And I'm like, man, who in the world could that be? Like an actor that Paul Bettany's always wanted to work with. It it didn't seem like it's somebody we know from the MCU proper. And I keep coming back and I've seen this theory out there and I really hope it happens. Especially considering what we saw in episode eight too, where we saw that Wanda had her powers from a young age, right? And it kind of was like, all right, well, does that make her a mutant? Where did she get her powers from? Because obviously in the comics, she's a, she's a mutant, right? She's, if I'm not mistaken, please correct me if I'm wrong, but she's the daughter of Magneto, right? So I am wondering if we're going to get a Magneto appearance in episode nine. You know what, I I am going to go out on a limb here and say that Paul Bettany was probably just conning us all. And the actor that he really desperately wanted to work with was like himself or like Jimmy Woo, the guy who plays Jimmy Woo. Um, also, I, I was trying to do some research for this. And I was like, what what's something that Richie could theoretically ask me? And I went down the rabbit hole about Vision and there's something floating around on Twitter right now. That just it's the hashtag can vision shower, which is just <laughs> it's unbelievable in in just a way that only Marvel Twitter could take something and completely destroy it. Uh, but the theory is that rain would go right through him, so he can't take a shower. Where did you find You're, this? You're so welcome. Do you, do you want me to send that to you? Please, please do. <laughs> Confusion shower. Oh, it's so good. That's really funny. I'm losing it. I'm losing my mind over you this right me. now. It is. It's trending. It's trending. <laughs> Jordan has killed me. She's filled in for Corey for all of twenty minutes, and she has straight up killed me. And I don't know if I'll be able to continue with the episode. See, I told you, you should you should wait until the end so that I can like apologize properly to everyone for what I've done to the podcast. <laughs> so do you think I want to try and get this back on track? So you don't you you think he, you really do think that Paul Bettany is just screwing with us and that like nothing's actually going to happen? Cut. Kind of like what Tiana Paris did when she was like, um, with that line about the um, space engineer, who I, we believe ended up showing up a couple episodes ago, and was just like this random random woman that brought her the the uh, the space rover to try and get through the hex. But like, I really want to believe that Paul Bettany is telling us the truth. But maybe I shouldn't have that much. I expectation. do too. No, I 100%. I, I want to believe that he's telling us the truth, but also as a Marvel actor and, and on a, a list of Marvel actors, <clears throat> Tom Holland, who uh, notoriously are a little bit deceptive or 
you know, like intentionally leak things that are deceptive or, you know, back and forth. But uh, I wouldn't put it past him to uh, have kind of thrown a red herring in there. I what I saw some other theories too, uh, and I can't remember like relating to that specific his his reference to that. But yeah, like you said, he's not he's not Tom Holland level. And Tom Holland was actually um, there was a sketch he did with uh, Jimmy Fallon last week. He was doing an interview, and they played this game called it was like spoiler alert or something to make fun of him. And what they had to do was they had to like him and Jimmy each had movies listed on cards and they had to essentially spoil that movie for the other person to have them try and guess what the movie was. And, (laughs) and Tom Holland goes first and he, uh, Kat, do you remember what was the movie that Tom Holland spoiled? Like he just read the title of the movie. Oh, um, it wasn't Shawshank Redemption, but it was something kind of like that. Like it was a Citizen Kane. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And he just, instead of like saying Rosebud or some sort of a spoiler along those lines to try and get Jimmy to guess Citizen Kane, Tom just straight up reads Citizen Kane straight off the card. (laughs) Wasn't that an SNL sketch one time? I feel like it was like, oh gosh. Uh, I feel like that was like Tina Fey or that was uh, Kristen Wiig. But there's one one time where they were like supposed to, it was like secret word and they were supposed to make the other person guess the word and she could never do it. She would just read the word. Yep. That's Kristen Wiig. You're right. That was one of her her best sketches. Like she do play that all the time. That's exactly what Tom Holland did in this sketch. He's my age, though, right? So, like, I, I'll, I'll date myself here. I've never seen Citizen Kane, so is it possible he just didn't know? Yes, I, don't I know. have. A, He's an actor. I have, a, I have a feeling that may be the case because Tom Holland did not go. Probably, I don't think he did. He's been acting since he was pretty young. Like, I don't think he went to film school, so I don't think he would have watched Citizen Kane. Like as part of his curriculum or like myself who watched Citizen Kane when I was like 14. Yeah. I don't think Citizen Kane was probably in the prerequisite training for him to play Billy Elliot. (laughs) But, but yeah, so like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm like I said, I'm just seriously hoping it's Magneto. The other theory of course is that it's Mephisto don't know who which actor might be playing them, but um, I don't know. I like. There's a part of me that's just like doesn't even want to get into the theories and try and guess. I just want to enjoy the ride too. Yep, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm trying not to dig too much into it, and I think that Marvel's got the luxury as well that um, they kind of threw it at us with with Agatha, uh, in that not a lot of people outside of those who were devoted and reading the comics had any idea of who she was, myself included. Uh, so we were just kind of all along for the ride. So I think they've got a couple of options where they can, they can spin it that way or they can do something totally new. And, you know, honestly, this is, it's like Marvel fans detective syndrome because we're all going back now and trying to put the pieces together. And somebody found like the missing book in Dr. Strange or, you know, kind of whatever it is. And I feel like whatever they decide to reveal, we're just going to be kicking ourselves that we didn't realize it sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, that's the thing. Like, people, people on the internet are so smart. Like, they're very weird, but so smart. And they're the ones that come up with these theories. I'm never the one that's smart enough to actually come up with them. I always just like reading everybody else who, like, will go through. And, like, I've seen YouTube videos where, like, people will watch the episode at, like, a quarter speed. <laughs> to try and catch every little like piece of the frame or whatever to see if there's some like nuggets in there i'm just like man that's wild like i i I don't go that far you know most of the time it's probably just somebody in editing too that's like going back and looking at all this and they're like did i take out the boom mic in that shot and and i'll say this that's like 
if I ever go missing, please send my information to one, a Marvel Comics fan, or two, a Taylor Swift fan, because those people can find anything on the internet. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. And and uh, it's like 21 pilots too, right? Because they're they're like that too, right? Where they just put Easter eggs everywhere. Oh my gosh, I I truly have like war flashbacks to trying to find some of the things relating to their album release. I got way too deep into it a couple of years ago and I swore I would never do that again. <laughs> it's it's we'll just move on from there then. Move on from 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 there. But uh yeah, we're like 5 days away now from the finale. Uh I'm excited for it. I will say one last thing about this before we actually get into some hockey conversation here which is I'm wondering like what the next step, like what the next step for Wanda and vision is. I, I, I tend to think that Wanda most likely, I don't know if it's been announced. It may have been announced. I have no idea if that she's going to show up in the, um, the new Dr. Strange movie next afterwards. So like this last episode is going to set up her appearance in the Doctor Strange movie, which from everything I, I've, I've been reading about the movie is like going to get really weird. Same thing with like this new Spider-Man movie. Like things are about to get nuts in terms of the multiverse when it comes to the MCU. I truly love that. And and I hope that you're right. I've been seeing a lot of that floating around. Uh, and, you know, I even heard as far as some people saying that the new Strange movie is going to be like dark, like a little bit more towards a horror film. And uh, I am very excited to see Marvel put their own spin on that. Um, but I also think it's hysterical because you're like, hey, do you want to co-host this this sporty podcast? And we've spent the first 26 minutes talking about WandaVision. So, like, much appreciated. I told you. Yeah, Corey and I are like, our show is weird. Like, we're not one of those, like, hardcore 45 minutes hockey, hockey, hockey shows. That's You can get that everywhere. No, we – I think last week – Corey and I, I believe the first 35 minutes of our show was just talking about music. And then we spent like 15 minutes talking about the Coyotes. So this is pretty much par for the course at this point. And quickly to kind okay, of go with your schedule, like, yeah, Sam Raimi's going to be directing uh, Doctor Strange. And like, where did he get his like start as a director? In horror movies, right? With the Evil Dead franchise. So like, if they do decide to go more horror with it, like he's the perfect director. I, yep. I grew up with Raimi Spider-Man. So like I I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm excited to see his, his take on the character. Um, he hasn't really done much. I think since he, he finished with, with Spider-Man all those years ago, of course, infamously giving us like, how great would it be if in that movie, we somehow get like Dr. Strange, like, Benedict Cumberbatch rolling out of a uh, of a of, of some place like coming through the doors black in a in a black tuxedo look like all emo looking and like doing a really random ass dance just to reference Spider Man three. Yeah, just a musical number. You know what I want to see? I want to see Doctor Strange open up a portal. All three versions of Spider Man come out and stand there and point at each other like in that meme. Yeah, remember we got to see that in um, Into the Multiverse, that movie at the very, very end, the final um, right before, like right after the credits end, we get that with uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine and the nineteen seventies Spider Man cartoon Spider Man. I am I am stoked. Also, Spider Verse two, let's go. Yes, absolutely. Catherine Hahn, by the way, played Doc Ock in that movie. She was brilliant. I, I loved it in that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. Um, now that we've spent 30 minutes talking about Marvel stuff, as we do on this show, I feel like it is time to dive into some hockey conversation. <laughs> in case you're wondering, once if the, when the Coyotes get beat as they did against the Colorado Avalanche in two straight games, there's a part I think of, I don't know about if you have the same feeling, Jordan, but I certainly do. It's like, I just want to flush those games down the toilet and like act like they never happened. So that's part of the reason why we did 30 minutes on anything but the Coyotes is so we can go as long as possible without talking about the fact that the Coyotes just had no chance against the Avalanche. 
You know what? I think that's the same way a lot of teams are feeling playing the Colorado Avalanche right now. Uh, and by the way, much respect for uh, your rendition of Rick Tockett as Bill Belichick saying we're on to Los Angeles. Thank you. I did that in five minutes on my phone. As you can tell, my Photoshop skills aren't quite as good as yours. Um, did not people? I don't think people understood the reference because I put that out on Twitter, and uh, and like it didn't get any response. I don't think people understood what I was trying to get at there, but I think that was the perfect encapsulation of those two games. Just like, screw it, man. Let's go play the Kings again. <laughs> For real. Uh, I mean, but the Kings also, I think, are coming off of a very recent five or six game win streak, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think they might have got beat by the Wild, but they had it rolling there uh, and, and they found a little bit of traction recently. So I can't imagine these games are going to be a lot easier, but uh, hopefully getting back Connor Garland or, you know, getting back a healthy Darcy Kemper or whatever the strategy is going to be I, at this point. I don't care. Make Aiden Hill play forward if that's what's going to work. <laughs> And yeah, the, the Kings are 6-2-2 two and two in their last 10 games, including those two games against the Coyotes, which they played really well in. So it's not going to be the easiest matchup in the world. Like the Kings have – I know, I'm sure they've surprised you too. Like I thought they would were a lock for a bottom three spot in the West Division right now. And right now they're hanging around looking for a playoff spot. They have a plus goal differential. They have uh, one more point than the Coyotes, 22 points in 20 games. They're currently fifth in the West Division. The Coyotes – are, uh, have 21 points in 21 games, and they are six in the West Division. So, yeah, you can't take them lightly, but it's one of those games that, like, the Coyotes need the two points because Corey and I have talked about this, I feel like, every pretty much every episode at the importance of beating up on those bad teams in the division. So that way when they play the Vegases, the St. Louises, and the Colorados, and the Minnesotas too, like – they just have to stay competitive against them and get like, you know, take basically get like a 50% points percentage against those good teams. And then like a, a 65, 70% points percentage against those, those bad teams. And then it essentially evens out to probably get you in a playoff spot. So like I, I I've used this, this phrase a couple times this season in games, but I feel like going back on the road now, taking on Los Angeles, it's very close to a must-win game to get this team back on track um, and to try and get them out of their own heads, essentially, like they have been for those for the last four games because they were got off to such bad starts in all four of those games. I'm with you, yeah. And, and I think that like a quick road trip like this is, you know, might just be kind of what the team needs in order to hit the reset button for a second. Um, but I think it's it's been a little bit unfortunate, the trend with the Coyotes over the last couple of seasons. We've seen it a lot this year where they play really close games with with good teams or even teams that are, you know, kind of of even caliber. And we're all like, hey, that's great. We'll go to overtime. We'll get a point. And then, you know, they lose in overtime. And, you know, you take one point where you give somebody else two and just mathematically it, it stacks against them pretty fast. Yeah, exactly. And that was the problem against like they I think they did that against um against Anaheim there, right? Where they they yeah, they took the four points, but Anaheim was able to kind of sneak some points out of that series too. And so that's the rough thing. It's like when everything's in your division, like all those points in overtime like tend to add up. So you need to try and win in regulation as much as possible. So and that was, I think they – did they go to overtime both games against the Kings or just one? I don't recall off the top of my head. I think it was just the one, right? And they lost the other one in regulation. That sounds right to me. But, yeah, I know for sure one went to overtime. And even in that seven-game set with the Blues, you know, they both went back and forth a little bit and, you know, gave away some points that maybe they should have had. So you make a good point about it all being within their division. Uh, you know, you got to kind of lock it down in, in regulation as best as you can. Uh, yeah, one of the things that, you know, I want to see from the Coyotes in these next few games, and this was something that Luke Lipinski brought up on the postgame show on Saturday night after the after that game against the Blues. And he was, he was essentially saying um, that the Coyotes' first period in their this homestand was, was pretty bad. So get this stat, Jordan. This is kind of a wild stat. Um, and it doesn't bode well for the type of team that the Coyotes are. So overall this season, 
in their 21 games, the Coyotes have been outscored by their opponent in the first period 20 to 9. Ugh. Ugh. I know the other day they were they were talking about it on the broadcast and they're like, well, the Coyotes are outscoring their opponents in the second and third period. And, and everybody that's been kind of, you know, taking notice is just kind of looking around like, yeah, but what about the first period? Because it, it's just been awful. But I, I didn't actually know the statistic until you just said it. And I am a little bit horrified. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it should horrify Rick Tockett too, because what do we know about teams, Rick Tockett teams over the last few seasons? It's that when they are the team that is chasing after the puck to try and get back in games, they don't play well. They're not that type of team. They're the team that wants to, you know, essentially play a little bit more of an aggressive game and be the team that is constantly, you know, uh, forechecking well, that is constantly, you know, winning those those battles that they weren't winning against the St. Louis Blues that Rick Talkett referenced. They're a team that – plays better when they're tied or with the lead rather than trying to come from behind as a, but well, obviously the Anaheim series was like a, a weird juxtaposition to that, obviously, but in the Rick Tockett era, that's been the case. And he's talked about that in the past where his team's just not good when they're chasing the game and chasing the puck. And so if they want to make the playoffs, they got to find a way to play better in the, in that opening period. And in the first half of games, because they're asking for it, like, they can't keep going down three goals. They've done it four straight games, which is wild to me. And the fact that they won two of those games is a miracle. I, I think that should be the tagline for the Coyotes uh, so far this season and definitely so far in this stretch. Uh, just because you can spot a team a three-goal lead and still win doesn't mean you should. Yeah, ex- yeah, that's 100% true. Like, I, c- I can't believe they almost did it again on Friday night, too, when they were down 3 to nothing, and they scored the two goals in the late in the third period to make it 3-2, to two, and then got a really good scoring chance pretty much at the buzzer to try and tie the game. But, yeah, it's like this team this year is like – it's the most Arizona sports thing ever, I feel like. the This version of the Coyotes is, is the perfect encapsulation of that, which is just like frustrating as – frustrating to heck to watch at times and just consistently inconsistent and for the most part mediocre and just like man why can't we have nice things like luckily the suns are doing really well this year they're one of the best teams in the nba to kind of offset it but like for the most part it's just par for the arizona sports course yep i'll agree with you you i mean you made the consistency point that's i mean that's the whole root of anybody's success as a sports team or an organization. You got to, you know, kind of be able to get a consistent compete level from your guys night after night. And, you know, obviously it's a little bit turbulent right now with COVID or with the lineup changes or kind of whatever it's going to look like. But for the most part, you got to, you know, know you have a solid foundation to build on and go out there and get the job done. I know it's you know harder than it sounds, but, you know, that's that's the way it is. Can we talk about some bright spots now? Because I feel like we can. We have some bright spots to talk about. Uh, being, of course, uh, Jacob Chikrin being one of them. Um, whom, if the Sporting Nation doesn't know, Jordan, big fan of Jacob Chikrin, as am I too. He's one of my favorite. He's becoming one of my favorite players to watch on this team. And uh, Jordan and I have a new hashtag on Twitter. You, pr- you guys have probably seen it by now. Um, it's hashtag Chick Norris. Here's the explainer of what what that means exactly. Quiet you. Um, Hashtag Chick Norris is our campaign to get Jacob Chikrin into the Norris Trophy conversation. Obviously, he's having a really good season offensively. This year, he's got 15 points in 21 games, including uh, five goals. He's one of the best defensemen in the league when it comes to putting up points this year. And he continually gets better defensively and offensively for that matter too. And like, he's the guy that's playing the big minutes for the Coyotes this year. He's the guy that is playing against that top Colorado line. And so we decided to come up with the hashtag chick Norris. Now I, I Jordan, I will give Jordan the credit here because she was the one that like made, came up with a catchy name for it. Uh, Can you explain how your process went for coming up with the, with that chick Norris hashtag and 
the reason why we are making Chick Norris jokes on Twitter now, seemingly? You know, I, I wish I could tell you that there was a process, but it truly just has everything to do with the little meme goblin that lives inside my head and decides that things are funny at certain periods of time. Uh, so when you texted, you gave me all the material. Like, I walked right into it. You were like, hey, we need to start this. We need to get on board like Chikrin for Norris. And I just looked at it and somehow mashed those two pieces together. So you're giving me the credit. I'm going to throw it right back to you. All I did was make it catchy. Um, but it's a fun excuse to bring back Chuck Norris jokes and just modify them a little bit. Let's see if I can bring up some of the ones that we've we've come up with already here. Because there's some good ones. I think the one that you put out was maybe my favorite so far um, the other day about uh, about splitting, like can split a puck in half or something like that. That one. That oh, was yeah, probably- yeah. That was probably my favorite. You know, the 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 first one we came up with holds a special place in my heart just because the image for it is just, it's so fitting. Uh, yours, I believe, was, oh gosh. It was like, you can see his shot from space or something like that. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the dark is afraid of Chick Norris. Uh yeah, the shot from the point is so powerful. It could be seen from outer space with the naked eye. That that took some effort. I'll give you props on that one. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true, right? Because the part of the reason we came up with this is because he scored a big goal in that game against Anaheim. And that's where, that's where I came up with the chicken for Norris thing. And he's scoring goals like crazy when he shoots from the point, so... I would absolutely not stand in front of that. Like any of those bad sports movies where the goalie just goes flying out of the net because somebody shoots it too hard. I like in the mighty ducks, that would be me. I would just be gone. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with you there. And like, and speaking of block shots, he blocks shots too. Right. Cause I don't know if, do you remember the game you were at that game, right? Where, he blocked a shot with his hand, basically, and like came back. I was like, at that game. Later. I was at that game. I was terrified. I saw all the team doctors leap over the seats and go flying down the tunnel, and I was like, "Oh, please no!" So you know, like you, I was scanning the bench. I'm like trying to figure out who's gone. The little you know wheels in my brain are turning so fast, and I'm like, "Oh no! Oh please!" Just, you know, I mean, losing a consistent player like that, first of all, but second of all, just, you know, as a fan, you're like, oh, that better not be my favorite player. Yeah, it just like, I, it, it looked really bad, like seeing some of the replays a couple times. But yeah, he's like, yeah, nah, I'm back. I'm back three shifts later. It's like, man, thank goodness he's not hurt. Like, and like, and I will say the same thing about, about, uh, about Connor Garland, he seemingly is fine. Like Rick talk, he was talking about after the game on on Saturday, he was like he was asked about Connor Garland's availability, and he was like, "Yeah, he probably could have played, but you know he's been taking a beating lately, so we kind of wanted to keep him out of the lineup." And so it's seemingly like he's going to be good to go for the game against LA. But like, yeah, I feel like the Coyotes have, have avoided injury for the most part this year, which is which is nice, but. Um, It'll be nice to get Connor Garland back in the lineup. That's for sure. Like, because but he's been he's been getting crunched. Like every time he has the puck and every time he's on the ice, he takes a beating from the opposing team. He has that dude gets run into or cross checked after the play, or I mean whatever it is. And I I can't imagine that he's going to be too excited to go play LA again after that that cross check he took in the mouth from one of their defensemen. Um, but yeah, the Coyotes were like sorely missing his speed out there against a Colorado team that's that's pretty young and pretty fast from top to bottom. Um, but it, it's like it tends to be pretty much the story of the season, I think, year after year for the Coyotes is that you'll lose a major player. And then as soon as they come back, you'll lose another one. Uh, we've seen it happen with OEL or Jason Demers or Nick Dalmerson or, you know, kind of whatever it is in years past. And uh, hopefully that doesn't happen with Darcy Kemper. Because uh, we all know Auntie Ranta and the IR list are uh, on each other's speed dial, as it were. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. They haven't really updated Darcy's status, but I feel like he's 
Rick Talk hasn't said anything that he he may or may not be hurt. They just kind of held him out for another game just to because he's been playing so much. Like that's in to, the fact that he that they've been playing Darcy Kemper as much as they have. It just like to me was like it, it's going to bite them, and it kind of already has in a way. Like you just in a season that's this condensed to play a goaltender that much. Like that's a lot to ask. Pretty much too much to ask. A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm with it. And kind of ever since he got here and, you know, especially like midway through his first season when I guess he really started to kind of separate himself as that number one. Uh, I mean, he's been the workhorse. He's been taking the lion's share of the games and things like that. And I think last year is when he had that really nasty injury in the middle of the, it was either last year or the year before, but he had that nasty injury in the middle of kind of his vets in a run uh, that we were hyping up there. But in, in about December, I think it was. And, you know, the, the team was really on a run and then, you know, Kemp's went down and they hit a wall for a little bit. Um, so I guess it speaks to how losing one guy like that, that's pivotal to the team can really make a difference. And, uh, you know, thank goodness as it looks right now, they haven't lost two of those pivotal guys together. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a big deal for, for this team is like, because they're they're one of those teams in Rick Talkett again says it all the time like they can't have any passengers they got to have everybody playing on the same page together as an entire you know 20 man unit on a nightly basis and so anytime you lose one of those cogs it's tough for the coyotes to find their their game essentially their their style of play that they like to play and we saw that against Colorado with without Connor Garland in that second game i feel like with like you kind of hinted at there if Connor played I feel like because they were in that game for the first, you know, I'd say 30 minutes or so of that game when it was a 1-1 game. And I wonder if Connor Garland would have made a difference there. But, yeah, it's uh, – I mean, well, uh, they they got to find, uh, find a role here. Like me, Corey and I mentioned on the last show, like they're like a five- or six-game win streak away from really kind of getting themselves right back into the playoff mix. And I feel like that's what they need is they just need to find a way to put together a streak where they're putting up, you know, nine or 10 points on the board really quickly. Cause you look at the standings, Jordan, it's like super tight as we're, you know, just. It is. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it is. And, and I think that's kind of the nature of a season like this too, where it's, it's COVID shortened. Um, that, you know, it's every point matters almost twice as much uh, when, when you have a season that's half the length, that if you really go on a run there, uh, you can make up a lot of ground really fast. And if you go on a skid, you can lose a lot of ground really fast. But like you were saying, you need everybody night after night. So uh, when, when you've built a team with the framework that the management group and, and the coaching staff here in Arizona have, you don't really have any room for error. You don't have guys that can just take the night off. Uh, you know, everybody was brought here for a reason and they've got a job to do. And when it's clicking, it it's working and you can, you can make up some ground pretty fast. Yeah, exactly. Especially like you said, when you're, when you're playing inside your division, like points can add up and be taken away fairly quickly. So uh, that uh, we have about what, 10 minutes or so left in the show. We like to keep this thing about an hour or less. So there's a couple things I wanted to, to talk to you about here before you wrap up the show. Uh, the first thing I want to ask you about um, is um, kind of the evolution of women's hockey that you've seen. And I feel like it's happened really, really quickly here in the state of Arizona, because when I was in college, this was my senior year in which was 2013, 2014. If I'm not mistaken, I think that was like either the first or second season that ASU had an ACHA level team club team. And I feel like since then things have just like skyrocketed in terms of the women's game here in the, in the Valley. Am I, am I wrong in that? Like, I feel like it's just skyrocketing. It's only going to get more and more popularity. Like for example, uh, I, I believe the, the Coyotes and the Kachinas got together and formed an all women's league, right. That you're playing in right now. Yeah, I can I can speak to that. I've got some on ice kind of firsthand experience with a lot of that. But um, I mean, even just for me that, you know, I grew up playing girls hockey here and the number of girls that were in the entire state of Arizona, I think at, at certain points when I was playing, 
are about the same number as, you know, one twelve U Kachina's team now. Like it just is is exponentially. It blows my mind that there's so many girls out there that are now getting the opportunity to take advantage and and stay around for the most part. That was something that that I ran into a lot is um, girls that were good prospects were leaving the state when I was a kid and now they don't have to to get those good opportunities. You have you have two college teams sitting right here in the state that are ready to recruit you from that local pipeline and let you play for your hometown team. And um, that's so awesome. And yeah, the, the Coyotes have done a great job with the involvement there, uh, the Kachinas organization. And yeah, they, they put together a, a women's league for, for the first year this season, uh, which is super cool to be a part of, to, uh, to get to captain a team and, you know, just stay regularly playing, um, I think is, is a huge key in keeping people in and around the Arizona hockey community you've got an opportunity to go skate, even if it's just like once a week, it makes a huge difference in, in the way that you're willing to talk about and advocate for the team and the local programs. And um, yeah, it's, it's so awesome. And, and I'm so glad to have been even a small part of that with like my four years at ASU or, you know, anything that we've done in, in coaching and things like that. And I am, you know, glad you threw that to me today. That was softball because you have what the PW professional women's league uh playing at madison square garden today so like, mm-hmm. awesome. yeah I, I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of it i know you uh you're uh you're much bigger into twitch than i am we'll get to that to close out the show in just a second but i was blown away with how popular the nwhl twitch streams were and i was tuning in on a consistent basis really to watch some of those games and like they're super high level games they were super fun to watch uh, the quality of the broadcast too through Twitch was in, insane. And like at times you're looking at, I'm trying to remember what the highest total amount they had during a game. I want to say it got into six digits at some point where it was over a hundred thousand people were tuning in to watch the national women's hockey league bubble. Unfortunately, they didn't get to finish out their season because of COVID concerns, but like, were you able to watch any of that? Like uh, that, that just proves that like, People, there's a market for women's hockey here in this in the United States, and it's just it's going to continue to grow, right? Like, NWHL is just added a team, right? They added the Toronto Six this year. Like, I think it would be awesome at some point in the future. I don't know if it will ever happen, but I'm going to speak it into existence to make it happen. Is that because we have the Phoenix Mercury WNBA? They were one of the founding members of the NW uh, the uh, Women's Basketball League. How about we get a, an Arizona-based NWHL team at some point in the future? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll manifest that with you. That would be awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, I did get a chance to tune in a little bit to some of those. It's, it's cool because we could just take the Twitch stream and you know cast it right to our TV at home and kind of throw it up on the big screen there. But um, it's, it's come a long way from some of the early broadcasting and, I mean, when I say early, I mean like you know just in the, the past couple of years that at one point they were broadcasting women's games. I don't I don't remember if it was like the women's World Juniors or uh, the the Canadian League before it folded or whatever it was, but they were like broadcasting their games from a ring doorbell or something that was just like one camera stationary at center ice, and you're like, wow, we have we have better broadcast journalism at ASU for our club team than do these you know professional women players. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's incredible now that they're they're getting some of that advocacy from guys in the NHL that are willing to, you know, rep the merchandise and talk about the brand and, you know, get the attention to play in Madison Square Garden, my goodness. But yeah, um, if anybody involved and wants to put together a team in Phoenix, uh, call me. <laughs> I'm, I'm aboard that train right there. I'm aboard that train. Um... I think uh, what, the one last thing I wanted to talk to you about is to give you a chance to to promote your Twitch channel because uh, you've announced that you're going to be donating the proceeds from your Twitch streams to a charity, which you have not named yet. Um, did your first stream on, on Saturday, and I want to give you props for that because I, I tuned in and I had you in a sec- – it was like a – a dual screen experience I had going on. Cause I was, I was listening to you and I was watching the Coyotes game at the same time. And you did it a incredibly well-researched deep dive into um, the Queen Mary and its haunted history and, and how uh, Disney played a part in that. And I thought that was really well done. You did a great job with it. Um, 
explain to the Sporty Nation where they can find you on on Twitch and explain how the idea came about of uh, kind of using it for for a good cause. Yeah. Um, thanks, by the way. I, uh, I I didn't know how it was going to work out for you. I know you usually tune in, but I was like, oh, I'm doing this at 7 p.m. And that happens to be exactly when the Coyotes game is. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for dropping in. I was a little bit surprised to see your, uh, your face in the chat there. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It's just I kind of wanted to transition it. I started out, I think, with my Twitch channel back in September was when I got affiliated. Um, I started last summer so. Um, the affiliation is just a way that you can uh, make some money from people that watch your channel and, and throw a subscription in there and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't make much. So, um, you know, it's it's not going to be like a heft, I'm not, you know, Markiplier, or, you know, any of those big content influencers. But, you know, I figured if I have an opportunity to raise some money, you know, I should I could probably put it towards a good cause and, and make a little bit of an impact there. Um, so I think Saturday night was just um, trying to appeal to a little bit more of an audience. Um, I had done some, some baseball, some MLB, the show streams in the past, um, or NHL 21, or I mean, even like fall guys, just kind of whatever the trend was at the moment. Uh, and, you know, found some mixed success with it, but I, I never really found like a viewer base. So I'm trying to build it up a little bit right now, um, do the best I can to get as many people involved as possible. And, um, get as much money raised for some of those good causes as I can. Uh, and, you know, things that are really near and dear to my heart, I'd, I'd love to, you know, chip in towards the Trevor Project or um, chip in towards Mental Health America or, you know, anything like that. But, you know, just kind of uh, building from the ground up to, to get some more people involved, get the word out there. And uh, I think Richie might have already plugged it, but um, I am everywhere with you know, at Jobo the goalie. I'm on twitch.tv, Jobo the goalie. You can find me. My, my brand is the same across social media. Um, but fair warning, if you follow me, you will get a lot of WandaVision content like uh, hashtag Kinvision shower. <laughs> it still, oh, it still crushes me. Oh my God. You had to bring that up again before we end the show. I am. As soon as we, we close out the show here, you know, that's what I'm going to do is just deep dive into that for 30 minutes nonstop. So, uh, yeah. So congratulations on, uh, on, on kickstarting the Twitch again. I did a really good job with it. I really enjoyed the, the WandaVision like intro video you had done. I don't know how long that took you to do, but that was, that was, re- that was awesome. Great job with that. That's how you're uh, so much more talented. Way, way too long. I'd have no clue how to even like start doing that. That's why I do podcasts. It's easy. I just talk for an hour. It's great. That's fair. Um, yeah, it took me way too long. Um, but luckily, I, I have a, a side job where I get uh, paid to uh, know how to use Adobe products and uh, know how to use them well. And I try and build on my skills as it goes. Yeah, so like you, like Jordan mentioned, make sure to follow her everywhere on on Twitch, Instagram, and on Twitter, at Jobo the Goalie on all three. I'm now... you. Your brand is on point there. Mine is not. I get made fun of all the time because my Twitter and my Instagram are not the same. And I think I started my Twitter before Instagram. I started my Twitter in college. And then I I got Instagram later on. So mine don't match. And people make fun of me that all the time. Like, um, especially Crash Gladys from The Freaks. She used to make fun of me all the time. She used to go, Richie, I'm trying to tag you in this picture and I can't find you. Why isn't it the same? She would try and tag me, tag me at our Flores91 in the in the Instagrams. Like, so congratulations to you for managing to to brand everything the same. That's that's impressive. <laughs> Accidental consistency works wonders. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I think that's gonna wrap up this uh, this show. This has been great. This was a lot of fun. You did a, a great job, Jordan, filling in for Corey. Uh, again, congratulations again to Corey and Scotty for their engagement. Again, super excited about that. Uh, do you have any – I always ask Corey before I, I sign off here um, if she has anything else to say before we go. So I'm going to ask you the same thing. Jordan, do you have anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up the show? Uh, yeah, just just a big congratulations to Corey and Scotty. Um, a thank you to everybody involved for letting me jump on here and derail the podcast for a hot second. Uh, I will understand if my agent never receives a call from you again about co-hosting. 
uh, I will apologize uh, or, you know what, direct people to my social media if you liked the nonsense that I spewed today. And thank you for letting me do so. Yeah, this was, this was awesome. Uh, again, follow Jordan on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Jobo the Goalie. You can follow our show on Twitter at Corey underscore Richie Show. You can follow us on Instagram at Corey Richie Show. Follow Corey at Corey Nicole with two E's on Twitter. My Twitter, of course, at rflores91. Follow the network at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. And, uh, of course, if you're outside the state of Arizona, DraftKings promo code THPN. And uh, – Thank you for joining us, Jordan. We will talk to you again on Thursday with Corey back in the hot seat uh, on this show. It's going to be an exciting show. Until then, good night and good hockey, everybody.